It's good to be with you guys tonight. Uh, thanks for coming. And uh, I, I'm just going to talk for a little bit, and then we're going to pray uh, uh, into the evening. I, I'm not sure. Steve's leading the prayer. I think I was supposed to be part of a meeting on that prayer. I wasn't there, so I'm not sure where we're going to go. But I, it's going to be great. Out into the streets, yes. Jesus. Watch out, Kansas City. Jesus loves you, Kansas City. That was a prophetic word, right, that, that God is setting up because he wants to do this to save his people. And, and, and one of the things that the name that we come from is Heart of the Redeemer, and it's the heart of Jesus. And I think the Lord wants to reveal more of his heart to us, both of his love for us, but of his love for his people. It's contained therein, that, that image of his sacred heart. And uh, it would have been easy for Jesus just to stay in heaven, you know, after the fall. And that, that's not what he did. Obviously, God has a plan and he wants to, to be with us. I mentioned that in the Greek, the word martyr literally means witness. And it's used a lot of times uh, in the New Testament. And, and you guys know this. But Jesus is calling us to be his witnesses, right? Uh, just a few scriptures. Uh, Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's the word martyr. In Jerusalem... In all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Also in Acts 1, verse 22. This is before the Holy Spirit came. It says, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these, this is after Judas, right? One of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. Acts 2, verse 32. This Jesus God raised up, and of, all, and of that, all of us are witnesses. I love this. Acts 10, verse 39 to 42. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day. And allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses. And who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. These are like the studs, right, of faith. We're, we're, the, we're, the, witness, we're the ones who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. That's it. Man. Love those people. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. Acts 13, verse 31. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they are now his witnesses, witnesses to all the peoples. We are called, both individually and communally, to be Jesus witnesses. 
Through time, the word witness, the word martyr, came to be used very specifically of someone who would testify to their commitment to a belief to the point of dying for that belief, right? Of laying down their life. This idea of being a witness, of being a martyr for the faith is communal and personal. It takes a lot of us individually to say yes to Jesus in our life and to personally bear witness to him. But also corporately, through our love, through our life together, we bear witness to Jesus and his kingdom on earth. Gordy used the image of salt and light and leaven in his talk. You guys remember that. That's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. But Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill. The idea of being salt of the earth, first of all, it's like when, when that word was used back then, it meant to get, one of the meanings was to give seasoning. It's still like what we do. If you put salt on food, it actually draws out the taste of that food, right? But back then, different than now, we have refrigeration now, salt was also a preservative. So if you took the salt and worked it into meat, for example, it would actually preserve the meat for longer so that you could eat it longer. We're the salt of the earth. (laughs) The Lord is establishing us as a bulwark a salty bulwark <laughs> so that we can be worked in to the culture so that we can preserve his people. Isn't that good? He also says that we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. Let, Jesus says, let your good works shine before men that they, or let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The whole of Matthew 5 through 7 is like the Magna Carta of how to live the way of Jesus. Like it's the Jesus way, it's the Jesus lifestyle. In fact, our formation program is really built around living out a Christian life, you know, so that we know how to to do life together, how to live life together. The Lord wants us to reign (laughs) in life. He's setting us up to be the light of the world. He wants you to reign in life. He wants you to reign in your relationship with one another. He wants us to reign over our finances. He wants to reign in how we can use media. He wants us to reign in our marriages. He wants us to reign, you know, over, over finances in our life so they don't control us, right? He wants to set that up so that you can shine out and you can be a light of the world so that when people see how we live together and how we love one another and how we can handle stuff and how we can take a job in the world and we can actually be successful in that job, that good work actually shines before some people and they come to know, they come to give glory to the Father. That's pretty freaking sweet. Amen. Hey, thanks, Chris. Amen. I love that. 
So through our formation, you know, I mean, this is, this is all of that formation is designed so that we can live well with one another, but so that our light can begin to shine because this is how we were created to do. And I want to get into that because in just a little bit, uh, because our way of thinking about this really needs to be formed by Jesus. So Jesus wants us to reign in our life together so that we can be his light to a lost and broken world. Obviously, um, he's commissioned us, right? As Gordy said, to be a people of hope. He's commissioned us to be missionaries in this world. He's commissioned us to be witnesses in this world. And, and, if, and if, we, if we go out, we're going to see amazing stuff. But there's another side of this, and he's also promised, and this is where we got to get our minds really right, guys, because we have come from a post-Christian society, okay? But, and we, I think even more our generation gets that than previous generations did. It was already post-Christian 40 years ago. We just didn't know it yet. Guys, I, I shared the other night, I was exposed to pornography in my neighborhood when I was seven or eight years old. Seven or eight years old. We, we live in a world like that denies the existence of the eternal. What's seen is all there is. It's all there is. And I just, my wife and I were just going through this the other day. And as a seven or eight-year-old putting myself back, this is a traumatic experience for me and actually defined some things in my life for a long time going forward. And I felt, as a seven or eight-year-old, if I put myself back there, unprotected. How many, you guys, we all know that. If you grew up in this world now, you guys, there's times where we look back, right, where we felt where we were unprotected. And as I was going through this, they were it was being asked, okay, so where was the Lord in this? Where was, you know, like Mary, if, if you were imagining them in this? And the thing that I saw when I look back is that I saw in this situation, I can still, I can remember this really clearly, but I, as I look back, kind of with spiritual eyes, I saw this like intense battle going on, a spiritual battle that was happening over me and over this situation. And there were, you know, obviously there were structures of sin and, and principalities and powers that had authority already in areas there. But my angels were already there with me. But what that indicated was I actually wasn't unprotected. There were people, angels, fighting and God fighting on my behalf and he's ended up winning this battle even though a seed of the evil one was planted in a little seven and a half year old kid that was 1981 okay and there were structures of sin in our neighborhood that already had control and authority in places that were given there, not because the demons just came in, but because men and women had come into agreement with the thinking and thought process of, G, of, of Satan and his, and they were given authority in, that, in those areas. This is 
reality. My wife, I hear her telling me, Matt, smile. Okay, I'm smiling. Okay, I'm smiling. Where, where are you, babe? She's getting to me. Oh, there you go. You were thinking that, weren't you? You were. Okay. So here's the deal, guys. So as much as we go out and we're, gonna, we're promised that we're going to be salt and light, he's also promised this. And this is what I'm saying. We've got to really get our heads around this, this culture hasn't been Christian for a long time. He's a promise that those who choose to be his disciples and follow him, follow him we're going to struggle, we're going to be persecuted, and we're going to be opposed. I'll just read Matthew 16, verse 24. This is on... We have to lose our life. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who would want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? John 15, verse 18 to 20, it said, says this. This is, this is promises. He is telling us what it's going to be like. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world Hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. Servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Guys, the Lord's going to do awesome things, but it's not all like, it's not all popcorn and, can, popcorn and candy. Is that a thing? I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> Unicorns and rainbows. Thank you very much. That's what I was going for. Here, it gets, hey, it gets even worse, guys. So this is uh, Matthew 24, verse 9. Let me see if I can find it. No, I can't find it. There it is. Then they will hand you over to be tortured and will put you to death. And you will be hated by all the nations because of my name. Yen? Mark 13, verse 11. When they bring you to trial and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say. Not if, but when. But say whatever is given to you at that time, for it is not you who speak, but it's the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, we're called to be a people of prayer. In order to be his witness in our life, I mean, this, I, I, so I just share that with you. There's a witness. We're called to be, give testimony to him, and he promises those of us who are going to be his disciples that it's not always going to be easy. And we're going to face opposition and we're going to suffer. And kids who are born to us, they can count on it. 
And we stand, look, behold, a great cloud of witnesses that cheers us on. Hebrews 12. And you know what they say? You can do it. We celebrated great saints this week, didn't we? St. Ignatius of Antioch. <coughs> what a freak show that guy was, right? <laughs> He's the one who, they were trying to keep him from going to Rome because they were afraid they were going to kill him, and he wrote to the people and said, Stop trying to get me to go from Rome. I'm hoping that these lions are going to chew my flesh up. I can't wait. Behold the cloud of witnesses. Isaac Jokes and St. John de Brebeuf for this week, too. You guys know them? The North American Martyrs? God, I wish they made Jesuits like that. I mean, these guys. All-stars. So I was reading about, this has been a number of years. I haven't even, I, this just reminds me of Joe DeMott. It's been a bunch of years since I read this book, but about them. So I don't know if you guys know this, but these guys came and, and were converting the Huron Indians, right, up uh, in Canada and Michigan and New York and all across that sort of area. I think in Sault Ste. Marie, which is just into Canada, or on, I think there's Sault Ste. Marie in Michigan, but I think it's in the Canada side where they got killed. But these guys, so, so they cho- these, the Iroquois, which the way the Iroquois grew is they would, just, they would just come in and destroy like other tribes and take their women and children and make them Iroquois. And, uh, and so St. John de Brebeuf, he gets captured and they torture him and kill him, but they are so impressed by his strength that they cut out his heart and they eat his heart so they could get his courage. <laughs> Man. St. Isaac jokes survived. And, and the Iroquois then systematically, the Jesuits over 25 years had set up all these missional churches, I, I forget, along some river, uh, and the Iroquois systematically came through and destroyed every one of those churches, killing all the Huron men and taking the others in, and they dispersed them. And so after 25 years of work, these Jesuits literally had nothing to show for all the effort that they had put in because all their people were either killed or taken capture by the Iroquois. And here's the Jesuits get together and they say, we need a new strategy. And their strategy was, we got to get captured by the Iroquois. <laughs> Holy cow. See, brothers and sisters, we have to have a deep intimacy with Jesus in order to be the witnesses that he wants us to be. Mother Teresa says, if you pray more, you will pray better. Karl Barth says, to clasp the hands in prayer is a beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. St. Alphonsus Liguori, 
were you to ask me what are the means of overcoming temptations, I would answer, the first means is prayer. The second means is prayer. And the third means is prayer. St. Francis of DeSales says, every one of us needs to pray a half hour each day, except when you're busy, then we need to have an hour. I, to be his witnesses, brothers and sisters, we have to pray more. Men, the beginning of our witness to our wives, to our sisters, to our children, to our families, to our roommates, to our friends, is to rise up early in the morning before anyone else and to pray. Your kids are watching, for those of you who are married with kids, and your wife is watching. You're the only witness they have. It's a mini-suffering. It's a sacrifice. It's getting up early. It's not as much sleep. It's a white martyrdom. But it bears witness to the world around us of the reality of the kingdom. We need to be a people of praise. First of all, because people from the people of praise are like getting bad-mouthed in the New York Times. So we really want to be with them. I love that. I love that. Like they're making fun of her for everything that we do. If you read the article. It's crazy. That's us. We need to be a people of praise. I'm not going to go into this, but worship in our corporate worship especially, even if it's a sacrifice of praise. I don't, Joe, do you remember the word, or John? Remember that we went to, the training we went to, but they were, that woman was there and she's talking about like these words in Hebrew that mean raising your hands? To, what is it? Tequila? I don't think that was it, Joe. But let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, tehila is the word that means to lift up a spontaneous song of praise with your heart. And there's another word really like it. Yeah. So it's this like spontaneous praise from the heart with hands lifted up. And there's another word like just like it. I can't remember. But it means to lift up your hands but without your heart. But here's the deal. Right now, am I lifting up my hands with my heart or am I lifting up my hands without my heart? You don't know. We're just called to lift up our hands both with our heart when we feel like it, when the Holy Spirit, but when we don't feel like it. And when we worship together, 
the Lord uses that to remove obstacles in the supernatural that we can't, he moves, he moves things that we can't see that he's moving. Lastly, brothers and sisters, we're called to be a people of love and joy. People of love and joy. Community life really offers us lots of opportunities to lay down our life, right? We have community gatherings and community conferences, and there's a lot of other things we could be doing. There's small groups, there's formation nights, there's, you know, service that we do in community. And community offers us an opportunity to witness love for each other but also love for God and just embracing our life together. Taking time for husbands and wives to meet together. Taking time to celebrate the Lord's Day. These are little sacrifices, just the bundle of activities that we have, that we begin to be his witnesses on the earth and we become a people of love and a people of joy. I've been talking about this a lot lately, so some of you might have already heard this. We need a radical sort of reorientation of our minds. Our worldview, our patterns of thinking, and our patterns of behaving, a lot of times have been picked up from or come more from the world than they do from the king's perspective. Romans 12 says, be transformed. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. At the beginning, Adam and Eve are in the garden, Genesis 2.15. And he says to them that they are to keep watch and till or work the garden to make it fruitful. That word that Jesus, or that, not Jesus, but God, the writer of Genesis uses. The word there for keep watch is the same word in Genesis chapter 3 when God puts the angel in front of the garden after he kicks him out. The word guard is the same as the word that Adam was given to keep watch. It's also the same word that's used later in the Pentateuch to describe the work of the priests and the Levites in keeping watch over the temple or over the, the, the ark. So there was like a divine mandate in what God was giving to Adam to work the garden, to make it fruitful, to grow it, and to keep watch over it, to guard it. And so even there where he's talking to Adam that there's some danger present even early in the garden and we see what that danger was later in Genesis 3 with the serpent. And obviously Adam and Eve fail that test. But right there in Genesis 3.15 God makes a promise that, that he is going to destroy the seed of Satan through the seed of the woman who will crush the head of Satan. And he makes this promise. 
Sorry, I lost my place here. Let me see if I can find it. False summit, that's not it. Glory. So they get this prophecy. And the earth after the fall is now enemy territory, okay? Humanity, we all, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, have lost a lot. We've lost our identity. We've lost our mission. We've lost our authority. We're now more susceptible to sin. Our thinking has been muddied. And we're now, the whole earth is under the authority of Satan. And he has a certain authority until Jesus comes and destroys that. So Jesus comes and reclaims the authority that man had given away, and he reclaims our purpose and mission and our destiny on earth. In Mark 3, verse 27, I'm not going to look it up, but it says this. It says, you don't go into a strong man's house to plunder his goods until you first tie up that strong man, and then you can plunder his goods. Who's the strong man? Satan. Who's the guy entering? Jesus. What are the goods? We are. That's freaking awesome. So now we're called to extend his rule, his kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're the rescued children of God who are on mission in the earth. We're his witnesses. We are the church militant. You've been commissioned as a soldier in the army of the Lord to be his witness, to be his martyr, to go heal the sick, to preach the good news, to demonstrate who God is and his love, what he's like, basically to extend his kingdom. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says this, for this, is the purpose, the son of, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And the, my neighborhood for that seven and eight-year-old boy needs them destroyed. And that traumatic event, I mean, we've all had stuff like this. I mean, this isn't, you know, God can take care of all this. He's got it. He's, he was there, right? And he can be trusted. And this is the assignment that he originally gave to Adam and Eve. This is what Jesus came and restored. This is the disciples' assignment. Believe it, it's your and I's assignment as well. And when we begin to do the will of God, it comes crashing into the kingdom of this world. What's that? There you go. Crashing. That prophetic word, and I don't have it, but basically we are called to be his witnesses in the world as a community of people because he wants to save people. And we've all been saved and we're, we're being saved and one day we're going to get saved. And our purpose is to give testimony through, of that to God's kingdom come in Kansas City. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Ouch. Ouch. 
Okay. This, we're going to pray right after this. Okay, I got like three minutes. Are you guys with me? All right. I love you guys. Jesus is calling you to do great things in his kingdom. I can't believe it, but he's doing it. I look at my life, though, and I'm like, what the heck? Wow. In, in, I, I read this earlier, but in Acts 1, verse 8, it says, Wait until you're clothed with power from on high, then you'll be my witnesses. Now, I know we've all got clothed with power on high at our confirmation, and then we got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But some of you, have you ever been in, uh, don't raise your hands, but you ever been in a marriage where your spouse will witness to one another is just like sucking? Has that ever happened to any of you? No. No. (laughs) I'm telling you, power from on high. If you're going to be a witness to love, power from on high. How about your uh, purity? Complete crap? Power from on high. How about your courage in talking about your faith with other people? You need power from on high. Tonight, I think what we want to do is three things. Confess your need for the Lord and for his power in your life. Commit your love and your life to him and ask for more. Confess your need and confess his power. Commit your love to him and your life to him and ask for more. I didn't realize this. I realized this this summer at mission leader training when I was given talks. But did you know the concept of the free refill is scriptural? So don't you want to hear more? So in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2. And then in Acts 4, the Holy Spirit gets poured out again. And a lot of the people that were in Acts 2 were at Acts 4. They came back because there was free refills. There's free refills of the Spirit to make us His witnesses in our families, in our community, in our love for one another, in our witness to the world around us. We need that power from on high. Don't say, I've already got it. Just say, I was reading, Jesus, that there are free refills on the Holy Spirit. And this is the Word of God. And I am here for my second filling. (laughs) 
or my fourth or my fifth, and I'm going to need, I might be back now that I know there's free refills. There's a souvenir cup and everything like that. It says, I've got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it says, go, Jesus. It's a really cool cup. Amen? All right, Steve, come up here. Save me. Why don't we, uh, why don't we just stand up? Music team, come on up. Sorry, yeah, 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 I'm I'm going to turn it to you. But I just want to pray right now as we begin tonight. Jesus.